following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. God sent His Son. They called Him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives because He lives. I can face tomorrow because He lives. All fear is gone because I A newborn baby And feel the pride And joy he brings Yet sweeter still That calm assurance That child can face In certain days Because he lives Because he lives Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know who holds the future, and life is worth the living just because he lives. And then one day I'll cross that. Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. In Genesis, the first chapter, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the face of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, 
let there be light. And God said, let there be light. Then God called, God saw, God made, God set, and then God blessed and said, everything is good. And the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And now he put man there that he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden... There was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 15. This is Genesis 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. That word put in the Hebrew literally means God caused him to settle down, to rest, to remain, to have a place. He was to work it and take care of it. To work it meant literally to keep it in control, to keep it in bondage. The word of Eden was under the supervision of a wonderful gardener by the name of Adam. He was to keep it and make it beautiful. To take care of it is to put a hedge around it to protect, to look narrowly, to take heed of, That was his assignment. Now, the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the The man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to the livestock, to the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he'd taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, literally meaning a man with a womb. Verse 16. 
for she was taken out of man. For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Now the amazing story of creation. I stand in awe. God is the possessor of life. I woke up this morning with worship and praise in my heart. I woke up and I was alive. I had life. Because God has given me a portion of life. He has not made it mine. It still belongs to him. He breathed life into me as I was made of that which is clay. When I die, the life will leave me and this body will immediately begin to de- to break down. It'll immediately begin to turn into soil, into dust. For I was taken from dust, and I will return to dust, because Adam sinned. God never intended that we should die. He intended that we should eat freely of the tree of life, and that we would live forever. But then we come to what happened in the third chapter of Genesis. I'm going to review it again very quickly, but I want you to know today the focus is on this gift called life. And I want you to hear clearly through the entire study today that life does not belong to you that life is very precious. We can be stricken down with cancer or COVID-19 and life ends for us and the life returns to our Lord. We are temporarily given a portion of life for as long as the Lord determines that we should have that life. And then we go the way of all men and we lay down our life. But it's not our life, it's God's life. You'll notice in this story of Genesis 3 that they are walking in the garden probably waiting for God to come and fellowship with them because every evening he came. And there was an invasion of that garden by a serpent. And that serpent was very crafty. He was created. The person, the spirit person that we know as Satan bells above the devil is a created being he was also given a gift of life he is not human he is not like us but he is our bitter enemy 
He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the tree in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You must not touch it, you must not eat of it, or your life will return to me. You will lose your life. You see, this serpent was a created being. He did not possess life. He cannot give life. He can only destroy. He is the destroyer. He is a liar. He is a thief. Verse 4, you must, you will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And the woman saw the fruit of the tree. It was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. She was deceived. He was not. He already knew what God's command was, and he had told his wife what that command was. Now, what is so troubling about this encounter is that when she reached out and took the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because she wanted to become a god, she was literally saying to the Lord of heaven, this life that I have now belongs to me. And now I'm going to be a God and I'm going to be the source of life for others. Now God had done something that was absolutely astonishing to the angels. It's astonishing to me today to imagine that Adam and Eve could come together in union in love and that God would allow them not singly but together to produce another life they were life givers because they had a portion of life in themselves from the living God of heaven and the living God of heaven the life God of heaven said I have equipped you so that you can create other life. A most amazing gift. Is it any wonder that sexuality is so destroyed in our culture? It is that which gives man and woman the ability to do what God did in creating another life. And God breathes into that life, and they become living beings as they're in the womb. God creates them in the womb. He, he stitches them together. It's in his plan that many should be born, that we should populate the earth with righteousness, giving life to our children. 
And Satan comes and he says, no, I'm going to destroy that life. And so abortions abound, doing direct harm to the creation of God. Destroying babies. And always through history, there have been those in wickedness who for convenience or for worship offered their babies as living sacrifices to the gods, to the devil. Every abortion performed in America is a living sacrifice made to the devil. It is devil worship. It is denying a soul the right to live. It is murder. But I want to go beyond that with you, please. I want you to understand that God is the only one who possesses, who owns in his own right, life. In fact, God is life. Now, I don't understand what I just said, because this life has always existed. There's never been a time when God did not exist. He is not created. He did not come up out of some morass. He has always existed. He is the God of heaven and earth. He has created the universes. He is beyond all. He is above all. And this wicked little serpent, this wicked little serpent, Am I belittling him? Yes, I'm accurately describing who he is. He is a wicked little poison viper. He comes along and he deceives Eve. And she reaches out and takes life and says, Now I'll be a god. Is she a god? No. God said, you will surely die. If you touch this tree, if you eat of this tree, you will die. Why? Because it is reaching out and claiming that I am God. And there is no other God. I am not a God, and you are not a God. And when you live in rebellion to the Almighty God of heaven, you take possession of your life and say, I can go where I want to go. I can do what I want to do. My life is mine, and I have a right to live it the way I choose. You are a spawn of the wicked viper called the devil, and you will die. Now, the Lord, in his great mercy, not because he owed it to us, I am not entitled to anything. God owes me nothing except to die, to lose this precious gift that he has placed with me for this time of probation, to lose that life and to go into unconsciousness and be held for the day of judgment or to be sent to a place of prisoners 
bound for hell because I chose to pretend that I was God. And I could be in charge of my own life. I could go where I want to go, say what I want to say, do what I want to do. Before I began this broadcast, I humbly bowed my head before Almighty God and said, Lord, the life you have placed in this body belongs to you. Let my words, the words of my mouth, and the meditations of my heart be acceptable before you, because I don't own this life. I am not a God. You are God Almighty. Genesis 3.15, he says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. And at the cross, the devil struck the heel of Jesus as he was crucified and he died. But in the process, God opened a way through his son Jesus that we who have been deceived could be redeemed from Adam's race And that Satan, that viper, that wicked, good-for-nothing, thieving viper, will have his head crushed. And he will be cast into the fires of hell. He does not have a right to life. He did not create it. He was the deceiver who entered into the garden of God where he had no right to be. And Adam should have seen him coming in and kicked him out, used a shovel on him. He would have fled. So because of Adam's sin, the ground was cursed. He lost his place. He lost his provision. He lost everything. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. In other words, you're going to eat vegetables. I've learned to like my vegetables. Most of them, not all of them. I can't stand slimy okra if i flour it and fry it up i can hold my nose and eat it i know some of you love okra i don't i've learned to like broccoli i didn't as a little boy i wouldn't touch it i've always liked peas and carrots I've always liked green beans. I've always liked cabbage and squash. This is where vegetables came in. Up to that time, they had only had the sweet fruit. And in that fruit from the tree of life was every nutrient needed for the body to heal and maintain and live forever. 
but now they're cast out. And they have to leave. And a cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth guard the way to the tree of life. They lost their home. They lost everything. Except each other. They had each other. Now, there's many lessons we could speak about from this passage of Scripture, these chapters of of the Old Testament regarding Adam and Eve. But I want you to get one lesson because then we're going into the New Testament. And the one lesson I want you to get is a very clear understanding that life belongs to God. And that life now dwells in you, but it is a temporary gift. It is not yours. You do not own life. So please, identify your sin and understand what you have done before the Almighty God of Heaven by reaching out and taking of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This culture feasts on the knowledge of the of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And today, more than ever, we are worshiping at that tree in America, all of our technology. We've totally lost touch with the earth. There's nothing I would like better than to have one of these domes that you can grow vegetables in year-round. Someday I pray I can have one of those domes. And in this wicked age... I can grow my own vegetables and my own fruit. I'm waiting on Jesus. But now I want you to see something amazing in the New Testament. This is found in John, the fifth chapter. And just briefly i want to say for those of you who don't know the books of the bible and you haven't extensively read and understood who matthew mark luke and john were written to john is written to the to the person who wants to know the depth of the meaning of who jesus is we find in chapter 5 of the book of john that Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now his disciples also went with him, but on this on this morning, I don't know what the disciples were doing, but Jesus slipped away from them, and he went into Jerusalem through the sheep gate, and there is a pool there. I've been to it. I've dipped my hands in that water. There is a pool there. It's called Bethesda. It's It was surrounded in that day by five covered colonnades, porches. And here there were a great number of people that that gathered. 
They were blind. They were lame. They were paralyzed. They were desperately sick. What they believed was that if you could get into the water first when the water was rippled, it meant that an angel was stirring the water and that if you were able to get into that water first, it wasn't real deep, a couple feet, but if you were able to jump into that water first, you would be healed. Now you understand what it would mean to be healed. It would mean that the gift of life was being poured into you. You see, when we're born, we're given this gift of life, and slowly that life drains away. It drains out of us until finally, as an old person, much of the energy and the vitality has disappeared. I have been blessed beyond measure with the gift of vitality and strength. I know it is only because of the gift of God, because of the work he's called me to do for his gospel. It is not anything that I have earned or deserve. Many people my age are barely hanging on, and many have already died. I humbly acknowledge that the vitality and the health that you see in this man is because Jesus has poured that life into me time after time and has restored me by the Holy Spirit's presence. Now, in this place, people have gathered because they desire a refreshing, an infilling of life. Without a doubt, life is the most precious gift a human being can be given. Life is everything. Without it, we are nothing. We are dust. We are finished on the earth. Now, we still will face the judgment. And for those who have not grasped life as their own, but have entirely submitted to Jesus and allowed him to possess us and to dwell in us and us to dwell in him, those will be brought into the kingdom of heaven and they will be given the reward of eternal life and they will be given the gift of unending worship of our Lord and our Savior Jesus to whom we owe everything. He is the bright and morning star. Now here we see the sick have all gathered. And there was one man there that had been brought to that place morning after morning, carried for 38 years. Can you imagine? This man wanted to live. And so they laid him beside the pool, hoping that some way he could get into that pool and find life. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? The question seems off. 
What do you mean, do I want to get well? I've been here for 38 years. Listen, sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. He'd given up hope. He'd given up hope. Now, let me speak to some of you. Some of you listening to this broadcast today have been trying for year after year after year to get ahead, and you've only been set back time after time. You're tired? You're perhaps feeling sorry for yourself? You perhaps feel like a victim? And you wonder why God has ignored you? And year after year, you try your best, and you just can't make it. You try for the jobs. You have things standing in your way. You don't have a college education, or you don't have a master's, or you don't have a doctorate, or you just don't even have high school. And so you work and work and work, and it's just enough money to pay the bills, hopefully. But now, even... That work has been taken from many of you, and you are at home, unable to work. Now the question is going to be, will you grasp after false hopes to find life? Or will you finally recognize that the Lord of life is standing beside you? And he's asking you today, do you want to get well? And what is your answer? I looked this passage of scripture up on the internet. I was deeply troubled by much of what I read. For they time after time spoke about how, yes, Jesus came and he brings healing. Yes, we begin to live a new life, but we'll always be sinners. That's like saying to this man, look, you've been here 38 years. I can give you some improvements in your life, but you're always going to be an invalid. Would that please you if Jesus said that to you? You'd probably say in that case, let me take my chance with, with every opportunity I have. Let me go from doctor to doctor. Let me go to program after program. Let me try over and over to grab, to grab a hold of life. No, I want to tell you today, there is only one source of life, and it's not the bubbly water in the pool. There's only one source of life, and that's not a better resume. There's no job. There's no person who can bring life to you except the man Jesus Christ. He is life. He is life. If you are an invalid today, if you are continuing to walk in your sin, 
if you're physically sick. I only know one place of healing. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Jesus speaks to this man. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. At once, the man was cured. He was healed. He bent down and he picked up his mat and he walked away. Jesus had already slipped away in the crowd. There were many people there. And Jesus had already walked away. Can I say something very bold to you? Don't let Jesus walk away from you. And there is only one way you can keep Jesus from walking away from you. He performs some act of kindness for you. There's only one way you can keep him close, and that is to immediately get on your knees and worship him. Praise and thank and honor him and confess your sins. And let him not just heal you physically or financially. Many of you have deep emotional wounds that you have had inflicted by family or a husband or wife who has deserted you, a child who has gone to sin. You have wounds in your heart. Jesus can heal those wounds as well. He doesn't do a partial. He does a whole healing. Mind, body, and spirit. And that healing comes as we're on our face before him, worshiping him. Confessing all sin, turning from it and turning to him. Jesus will not leave you when you're in that position. It's of interest to me that the porches were crowded with people who were sick. Jesus only came to one man. He could have lifted his hand and healed every person at the pool of Bethesda. He did not. Why didn't he? I don't have an answer except that this man, Jesus knew, was tired of his situation and he wanted to get well. That may hold the secret for why he did not heal everyone because they were still trusting in the stirring of the waters. They were still trusting in something other. This man had given up all hope. He had no one to help him. He was at the utter end of his own resources. He knew he would die laying beside the pool and he could not change his situation. And Jesus comes and says, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. And the living energy 
of life pumps through his body, healing, restoring. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. And the day on which this took place was a Sabbath. That's significant. Jesus brought this man into the fullness of the rest. But he's not quite there yet. Notice. He walked around, as Jesus told him, carrying his pallet. The Jews became infuriated with him and said, The law forbids you to carry your mat. Here again we have an instance in the Scripture where the law meets grace. The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? Come on as though there were a lot of men going around healing the sick and restoring them. Nobody could do that but Jesus. They knew who it was. The man who was healed, though, had no idea who it was. For Jesus had slipped away into the crowd. Later, Jesus finds him. I think Jesus was looking for him because the work was not finished in his heart. It was finished in his body, but now he needed his soul healed. Jesus says to him, See, this is John 5, verse 14. See, you are well again. He could have added, You're well again after 38 years. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. Now, all sickness is not caused by sin, but all sickness is caused by the devil. This man had opened windows or doors to the demonic realm, and they had come in, and they had afflicted him. And Jesus is saying, Stop sinning. Or something worse may happen to you. Why stop sinning? Because sinning gives the devil access to our hearts and to our bodies and to our minds. We must stop. We must stop reaching out our hand and taking from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We are not God. This gift of love that has been placed in our body is extremely precious to God. And may I say, this gift of love that I have is extremely precious to me. I don't want to desecrate the life that God has loaned temporarily to me by following the devil in his lies and all sin is a lie it is a claim that I am God all sin is a claim that I possess life and I'm in charge 
I'm not in charge. God is in charge. That's why in the Lord's Prayer it says, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the most dangerous prayer you can pray because when you pray that prayer, you are acknowledging that life does not belong to you and that you willingly give your life into the hands of Jesus. You're not going to grab it. You're not going to try to take it out of his hands. You want his will to be accomplished in your life, even as his will is accomplished in heaven. I pray, O oh God, your will be done with these broadcasts. One man wrote to me a very kind note, and he said, this broadcast deserves many more listeners. You can help me. I believe this broadcast deserves millions of views, not because of me, but because of Jesus. You can help by subscribing to the broadcast and by sending it to others. Send the link to others. This broadcast doesn't belong to me any more than my life belongs to me, any more than my health belongs to me. It's not my life. It's not my health. It's not my broadcast. It all belongs to Jesus. And so I'm on my face before I do this broadcast, pleading, Jesus, let my words be your words. Let them be powerful words that flow out over the airwaves and cause men and women to turn from wickedness, to turn from their sin, lest something worse happen to them. Now, he's told to stop sinning. What if I say to you, but you can't stop sinning? I'm calling God a liar. Do you understand? If I say I can't stop sinning, I'm calling God a liar. And there's only one reason why a man cannot stop sinning. That's because he is declaring himself God. And he is unwilling to lay his life down and let himself be crucified with Jesus and be born from above with a new life filled with power, filled with glory filled with love and mercy and kindness, bearing the fruit of the Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit has to come and hover over your life, even as he hovered over the earth at the creation. He, he now comes to hover over your life and to bring you into Jesus and to bring Jesus into you. That's such a glorious truth. For just as a father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. He who does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me 
has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. And the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. Do not be amazed at this. For a time is coming when all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. So when a man says, you're wrong, you can't stop sinning. Know that any man that says that is not a Christian. John, the eighth chapter. Verse 34. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the Son set you free, you will be free indeed. In other words, if you are healed by the Almighty God of heaven, you are healed. Now there's another passage I want to read. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who is born of God keeps him safe, and the evil one cannot harm him. Now, is that true? Was that false? I choose to believe the word of the living God. Now, I know that if I walk in the darkness... Because Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Let me read this for you. This is John 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. But we'll have the light of life. What he's saying is, if you walk in Jesus... You walk in the light. If you walk in the darkness, you are of sin. You either walk in the light or you walk in the darkness. Now, it's clear that a Christian can sin. 1 John. But it's also clear that that's to be the exception, not the way of life. And it's also clear that we have an advocate with the Father. And the sin by the blood of Jesus can be forgiven. And then it says, And he will purify you or cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You see, this whole question comes down to, Who is God? Are you God? Do you have the right to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and claim for yourself God powers? No, you do not. If you do that, you walk in the darkness and Jesus will come 
in his mercy. And he'll say, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Now leave your sin. Stop sinning. Leave your lifestyle of sin. Be born from above. Be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. And he will do that in you. Now we're out of time. I have about a minute and a half left. I want to say some things to you very quickly. Tomorrow is a day of prayer. I will open the phone lines. Last time we did not get everyone in because everyone tried to call at the end. Except one brave person called right at the beginning. Thank you. Plan today to be with me tomorrow at one o'clock to pray, to pray for our president, to pray for this nation, to pray for revival in this land, that Jesus would come with life because we are dying. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. God bless you, my brother, my sister. You can contact me by going to nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. Or you can go to National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. And thank you. One of you went on the internet and gave $50 this morning for this broadcast. Thank you. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon, and I love you. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord.